0: Welcome to The Output Habit, a podcast aimed at helping you go from thinking about things to actually doing something about it. I know you've got great ideas. I believe everybody does. Now let's make something happen. Before we get into today's episode, I just want to talk really quickly about joint health. Now joint health is something that I've been focused on quite a bit recently as I've been training hard for my races coming up in the next year. I've been trying to get faster while also trying to stay injury free. So there are some exercises and some habits that I make sure to work into my uh, regular routine. And I know that I'm not the only one. I know athletes aren't the only ones that want to be able to have healthy joints and to move freely without a lot of pain or discomfort. So I've just been posting some videos of some of the things that I do, sharing some tips. And uh, if you'd like to check any of those out, feel free to go to uh, my Facebook, Instagram, TikTok. Uh, Just search Output Habit on any of those platforms and I'm sure my account will come up and you can watch some of the videos that I have there on healthy habits and healthy joints. Uh, but I also believe that good output requires good input, which is why I, I, I use supplements by a company called Neutralite. Uh, Neutralite is a company that I, I also partner with. And uh, they've been utilizing the best of science and the best of nature to bring high-quality products, supplements uh, to people. They've been doing this for decades. And so they're a company that I trust. Uh, I know that they they do things the right way. They bring in third-party um, uh, certifiers, uh, the the National Sanitation Foundation, uh, to certify their products and make sure that uh, that they are they're top notch. Uh, so they have a product called Joint Health. Uh, it's something that I've been taking for a while. It has chondroitin and glucosamine in it to help with you know, one inflammation, but it also uh, those are are, are uh, compounds in your cartilage. Uh, to help uh, help prevent or or, or or to delay the deterioration of the cartilage in your joints and to just to help the l- the longevity of that so it 's something that that I take uh, some of uh, my other other friends who are my age and even younger um, who are athletes in their own right uh, you know physical therapist uh, personal trainer um, who care about the longevity of their joints it's it 's a supplement that they take. I also have uh, some other clients who are who are older um, who are in their in their sixties and and have had knee problems uh, and and use the supplement to be able to um, to 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 mitigate against uh just some of the pain and the discomfort that they experience there so whether pain and discomfort is something you already suffer with or it's something that you're trying to uh, prevent and and to keep your joints healthy uh this is a product that is useful in both of those cases. Um, so if you are interested in the Neutralite Joint Health or any of the other products by, by Neutralite, you can reach out to me at theoutputhabit uh, at gmail.com. And I would love to be able to provide you with all the information that you would uh, like to have on that. Uh, I do need to be careful about where and how I share links and information with folks. Uh, so I, I, I need to be careful about uh, just... Uh, putting links uh, in uh, in show notes and in some of the posts that I do. Uh, but it, it is always safe uh, to share with you uh, that, that email address and to be able to open a line of communication with you that way. Um, and, and always, you can send me a direct message too on any of those other social media platforms as well. Uh, so looking forward to helping you out if, uh, if joint health is something that you've been focused on as well. And uh, with that, we will get into today's episode. All righty. Well, we will start and it'll be what it'll be. That's just the way it goes. (laughs) The way the cookie crumbles. (laughs) So welcome everybody to the Output Habit podcast. I'm on today with my younger brother, Brett, who is a personal trainer at CPAC. Uh, Brett, what does CPAC stand for?
1: College Park Athletic Club.
0: College Park Athletic Club located right near Trinity International University where we both graduated. Uh, So it's great to have on uh, some guests. Um, I've been doing a lot of podcasts by myself but recently have been interviewing some other people who have had some um, other people who have had influence in my life or have been examples of output themselves and uh, so I've been doing a lot with health and fitness and wanted to bring Brett on because he also has quite a bit of, of results in that area. Of course, being a personal trainer, he helps other people with their output as well. So, just to start off, um, so Brett, you ran a four-five-four four at the uh, the Madison Radicals uh, Combine. That's the ultimate frisbee team that you've been playing for. How did you get that fast?
1: Honestly, like a big part of it's just genetics. I was always fast as a kid. Um, I just even you know, myself, so four years old, I remember running by people playing soccer. But I think honestly, a big part of it is necessarily because of like a lot of particular speed training that I did growing up. But just because I was doing so many different sports as a kid, and I was every day outside you know, playing tag with the kids in the neighborhood or, you know, playing soccer or playing wiffle ball or football, hockey. And, you know, you were there for a lot of that growing up, just a lot of yeah. Sandlot sports growing up. Um, yeah. Even though I mean, necessarily you most of it wasn't was organized through club or league. But uh, yeah, it was just every day playing sports all the time. And If you uh, recently, I I saw a quote by Christian McCaffrey, who's, you know, starting running back for the Panthers and considered to be the best running back in the league. He credits a lot of his athleticism from playing five sports year round um, Mm -hmm. because the human body is just under under different circumstances. So not just doing the sanction and getting different muscles that wouldn't normally be put under duress um, from one sport by getting in another. So that's honestly what I credit a lot of. My athleticism and ultimately my 40 yard time problem.
0: So it's being well rounded yeah. in uh, multiple sports, not just in one.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Even where I work right now, um, tennis players don't necessarily reach top speed like ever by playing tennis. I mean, they may mm-hmm. quote unquote sprints, but you're never going to reach top speed playing tennis. Sure. Um, so I see a lot of kids that just aren't very strong. Um, in the lower body and every time I do see a kid I'm like you're pretty athletic I always ask the same question what other sport do you play and there's <laughs> always an answer like always an answer whether it's football or hockey or soccer like the most athletic kids at College Park Athletic Club play something else The kids who just play tennis are never the most athletic kids
0: so they're they're slower on the court than kids that play other sports as well
1: oh yeah I mean like Tennis is one of those weird sports where like you don't have to be super athletic to really thrive. It's such a technical sport um, that it doesn't always show itself. Um, mm-hmm. I had my, my boss recently, we were talking about this. He has a background playing soccer and football and training professional athletes. And he's like, you know, if you're not athletic enough in other sports like football or hockey. You get decked and you, you it shows. You, you yeah. take consequences for it. In tennis, the worst thing is you just don't get to a ball, right? Like there's no, you know, mono, mono, hand to hand, physical contact repercussions for being an inferior athlete in tennis. And you can (laughs) get by much further in that kind of a sport than, you know, football or basketball, like you just aren't keeping up or you're just getting posterized or whatever the case may be. Yeah.
0: Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. That can be a good thing and a bad thing (laughs) for sure. So when
1: uh, it's, it, As a trainer, it's, it's harder to sell ourselves because it's like, well, we can see that you're not athletic, but you don't always see it because it's harder for you to see it in your game Okay. versus football players. They'll figure it out real quick.
0: <laughs> gotcha. So when was it? I mean, you said that a lot of your speed was kind of innate and just part of how you grew up. When was it that made you really start training or what
1: kind of led to that? Honestly, like, I didn't touch a weight room until I got to college. Like, as as you know, I was the tall, very scrawny kid who could just move. That was me. Like, you could probably look to me and like, oh, that's a cross-country runner because how thin I was. Um, But it wasn't until I got to college that, you know, I actually had to start training with with weights and overload principles of that nature uh, due to our programs that we had to do for soccer. Um, But even my first year, I still managed to kind of, like, not do it because I'm like I don't look like an idiot because I knew as soon as I stepped in there I was going to look real dumb real fast Mm -hmm. Um, but I remember taking a class I took one of dad's classes where I had to document something I wanted to change about myself for the course of a semester kind of imperative because it's required of me so kind of killed two birds with one stone and so I actually had to start taking in more uh, principles that I would actually have to apply to get to a gym, such as you know finding someone to train with, documenting my progress, um, finding times to do it, and from then onward it just sort of became a bit easier and more and more routine.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: What was the name of that class? That was cognitive behavior.
0: Okay, cognitive behavior. Our dad is a psychology professor at at Trinity, where we both graduated from. So that was uh, so I didn't I didn't have to track uh, or, or log things in a psychology class like that one, but I did take a human performance and wellness with uh, Dr. Voss, and we had to do some similar things. We had to I think we had to track um, our oh, I think maybe it was life planning with Dad that I had to track log my time. In a week or something like that but i did have to log things that i ate i had to log activity with that was
1: Vost's class
0: yeah yeah
1: <laughs> that's that was hbw 180.
0: hbw 180 was definitely the the eating and the activity but i think maybe the time log was in life planning but
1: maybe it- I, I know i did that was, same was time also boss's in boss's class, class?
0: So. was that also hbw 180 yeah okay
1: yeah, I never took life planning with that, but I took HPW one eighty. Okay. So, but yeah, I mean that which stands for human performance. Wellness, human performance and wellness. In case yeah. anyone's wondering. <laughs> Exercise
0: science, human performance. Um, but yeah, I mean that's something that I've definitely been finding is that you know doc taking the time to document things. I mean, I was my most fit when I was just logging my workouts in an in a, an Evernote, you know, and just what was my time or what exercises did I do? How many reps? And just, just by tracking it, Mm -hmm. it the results get better, which is, is pretty cool. Now I'm, I'm adding the element of documenting and posting things. Um, and, and that's, that's had its own interesting effects to it as well. But, but documenting is definitely a huge part of, of the output habit for sure. So that's, that's cool. What, what, um, when did you really start to, to feel like, like, I'm, and I'm not just getting initiated into this process, but like, I'm actually pretty good at this. Like, I know what I'm doing when it comes to training and, and fitness and, you know, how much do you deadlift now? <laughs>
1: uh, the PR one rep max is 475.
0: 475, man, oh man. That's pretty crazy. Is that, is that the one that's on Instagram?
1: Yeah. I mean, there's several on Instagram, but that's the most recent one.
0: Okay. <laughs> so, so when was it when you, when you got to not just like, okay, I know what I'm doing in the weight room and I don't have to feel awkward about it anymore to, I am proficient. Right.
1: Yeah, I would definitely have that happened after I started working at college park um, and I got introduced with some of the trainers there and I got to surround myself with other people who knew what they were doing um i had people i could ask questions to um, get critique from um that was definitely kind of where it really started that was probably just a few years ago probably four years ago when i like really started to feel more and more proficient as you said um so i had a lot of more than just one person over the last few years i would probably say they're good six guys that i've been able to run things from but now it's mostly three guys that i talk to now
0: Mm -hmm. that's cool yes i mean that's really cool to to think about the those principles that i am always identifying and trying to draw out and you know it started with just needing to get over the awkwardness and not care about what other people think embrace being a novice embrace being a beginner and being okay with that um just forgetting about what other people think focus on what i want to to accomplish and just focus on my lane and, and what i need to do uh, then going to documenting um, and, and tracking my progress to now getting connected with an association and uh, a, a group of mentors who can bring you along even even further and provide that outside um, feedback and so that's just really cool to just kind of see that 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 process it's it's kind of predictable it's like a whatever whatever it is that people get involved in or they want to grow in like that's kind of the process it seems for for most people, whether it's training, whether it's um, music, whether it's um, learning a language, you know, you know, whatever it is that that that's kind of the the process and it doesn't seem like it's that much different uh, for you. So what are some things that you have learned along the along the way that stand out to you that are that are valuable?
1: In terms of what exactly
0: so as as you've trained the body, what are some things you know that you've learned along the way, like oh man that that was a really good lesson to learn, and, and things kind of took off from there, or I wish I would have learned that sooner, it would have maybe allowed me to be more successful sooner, or something along those lines?
1: Yeah, um I would say one thing, like especially when training like a particular athlete who's training for a particular sport um, is really focusing on the antagonist uh, muscles. So for tennis it's a predominant forward motion game where you have a lot of arm swinging and a lot of rotation but a lot of that motion comes from the front of the body the upper back tends to be incredibly weak in a lot of these kids that we work with mm-hmm. and that this leads to a lot of shoulder injuries because they're so overtrained on one side and so undertrained on the other that mm-hmm. that muscular imbalance causes shoulder problems um, sometimes you get elbow problems And it's just every week there's a kid who comes up like, oh, how do I got this? You got that. And it's like, well, how many times a week do you train? Well, I play tennis four times a week. I'm like, okay, that's great. (laughs) What else are you doing? That's not tense because your shoulders and your upper back are just dying. And you put these kids on their stomach and tell them to hold a prone T, which if you don't know what a prone T is, you're on your stomach. And then you put your arms straight out to the sides, left and right, and then just pick your arms up off the floor and your upper back has to maintain that mm-hmm. isometric hold. And these kids will be just asking, "Are we done yet? And it's been 20 seconds. You're doing this for another 40. All right. You got <laughs> to be doing this more often. <laughs> and then if you want to make it even harder on them, tell them to put their hands out in a Y shape. So go 45 degrees up like the... Uh, classic ymca dance you know put the hands out in a y shape it gets even harder and it changes that angle on the joint and then muscles have to respond differently and they're just like
0: oh we done yet
1: i'm like no no we're not <laughs> and plus this is only one time you're doing this three two more sets of this by the way so you better used to this <laughs> yeah, but yeah coming sure. back to your question like training those those antagonistic muscles because you know, most times we train we're like, oh, I want to be faster. I want to be stronger. I want to move better, which, you know, all great things. But uh, we also need to train to not get injured because you can be as fast as you want. But if you can't stay on the field or on the court, it doesn't do any good.
0: Gotcha. So, so is it primarily about antagonist muscles and
1: training those? Or is that just one example? I mean, that's just one of the main examples. I mean, like that's one thing, like my first couple of years of training as a trainer, I didn't even really consider that that much. And I was always thinking about how can I get this kid a stronger posterior chain so they can actually change direction. How can I get this kid to generate more power on the rotation so they can have a stronger forehand? How can I, you know, help this kid lose weight? How, you know, those types of questions. Not necessarily how can I keep this kid's shoulder from constantly being injured, or how can I keep this kid's elbow from constantly getting, you know, injured. You know, those types of chronic overuse injuries that I just see so much because tennis is such a very particular sport.
0: Yeah, and you know, very re- repetitive. I mean, you're doing the same motion multiple times each volley. Um, whereas, you know, you're not always doing that exact rep- repeated motion every single time when you get on a shift for hockey, or you get it. You know, you're running a no. play for football. I mean, you think about how many how many times you exactly kick, yeah on a on a soccer field how many times are you actually kicking, especially winding up and kicking hard you know, that's the only fraction of the time that you're swinging, swinging a racket <laughs> on the tennis court.
1: Yeah, I mean, like if you look at the box score on a professional soccer game, like you look at a 90-minute period of time, if your team takes 21 shots, not even 21 shots on target, you know, that's a decent number of shots. Like you do a lot of 21 shots. divided by your entire team, you know, these kids could do 21 strokes in one point.
0: Yeah. <laughs> and that's
1: a high-end point, but still.
0: Yeah. But, I mean, you've also got – you've got some long balls, some clearances that are also going to be working for that. sure. I work. mean,
1: absolutely. But, like, if you're a striker, or a, you're probably not going to do a whole lot of clearances or a whole lot of no. long balls. You're probably just shooting. Yeah. You've never taking that much power. But.
0: but, yeah, I mean, the number of clearances or long passes for a midfielder or for a, a defender are probably similar to how many shots a striker is going to take. But – the point is, it's just it's not near oh, yeah, it. it's repetitive sure. <laughs> in the in those other not schools, even close that one. I mean, I guess you know the next closest example would be golf. You know, you're you're swinging that club pretty much the
1: same way a lot of a lot of times in a day. Yeah, and it's not no surprise you see you know a lot of these golfers end up with back injuries. And you do all that rotation all the time. <laughs> You're not strong or enough to withstand it.
0: Did you drop out there or did I?
1: I heard uh, some sort of something. I don't know if you're asking a question or making a comment.
0: <laughs> okay. No, pretty much just a comment. Um, so what what is something that you're learning now, um, either as a coach or as someone who's training themselves still?
1: Yeah, right now, like I, I'm just, I love people that I see. I only see once a week. So for me right now, I'm really trying to get proficient in the hour that I have my clients because if I have, you know, let's say seven sections to a program and I don't get to my sixth or seventh section, it means I'll go minimum of two weeks at best case before I can touch on that again with this this client. So Mm -hmm. I'm trying to get as proficient as I can, trying to get through as much of, if not the entire program especially given the fact that I'm working with junior tennis players that can range anywhere from, you know, 12 years old, maybe 11 years old to high schooler. And some of them are very social. Some of them are very unmotivated. Um, whatever the case may be. And it's very easy for time to slip away real quickly. That's like, mm-hmm. man, we didn't get to this two weeks in a Now, why do I even <laughs> have this in the program? So, Trying to to master the balance of, you know, making the enjoyable hour in terms of conversation, but also being able to be efficient in our time and actually being able to touch on everything, touch everything well, not just, you know, check the box of, okay, we did our squats today, but we actually like did our squats today. We actually got to our pull-ups today and, you know, I, one of the things I like to do with a lot of clients right now, I like to touch on all three planes of movement. So sometimes I'll break those planes up by section. So if I don't even get to my last section where I might I'll miss an entire plane of movement.
0: So for those of the to those who don't understand planes of movement, what are those
1: three planes? So planes of movement, um, you have sagittal plane, which is like your front and back, so like your deadlifts, your squats. Um, then you have your frontal plane, which is usually one that I'll I don't always get to. Um which is side to side. So if you're shuffling and then you're transverse, which is kind of up and down, like it's kind of at the hip. So that one's, I don't really touch that plane as much. Um, the frontal plane I'll touch on more, especially with tennis players, because they shuffle so much.
0: So frontal plane would kind of be like this plane right here where you're moving side to side in relation to uh
1: yeah so like you're shuffling or doing skater hops side to side that kind of thing or a Mm -hmm. lateral lunge shift
0: what was what was the first plane you were talking about
1: sagittal i mean that's the one that people really live in like yeah yeah, best way to describe it is you know cutting the body um left and right so we actually have a sagittal suture that connects our left and right skull um Mm -hmm. So anything that happens within that plane is like forward, like walking is in the sagittal plane. Deadlifting would be in that plane. Um, it's the one that people mostly do because it's the one that we just naturally live in as human beings.
0: So that's moving forward?
1: Yeah. OK.
0: And then the other one was what, the third one?
1: Transverse. That one, it cuts the body from top to bottom. I, That one's not nearly a plane that I work in as much because sport doesn't really live in that one as much, but it's one of your three planes if you want to keep it into your record bank.
0: So like which which plane would backpedaling
1: be in? Still sagittal.
0: Okay, so that's forward and backwards.
1: Yeah, just like the frontal plane is left and right.
0: Okay, so frontal plane moving this way, this way, sagittal is moving like this mm. and then transverse is still kind of the mystery one
1: yeah that one i wouldn't down people too much with that one right now that one's really <laughs> not as you most of, if you watch any instagram or you're probably not going to find them really doing any exercises in that point
0: okay so it's not as important
1: i would- worry about it too much at this point i don't even know what the planes are so (laughs) all (laughs) righty so as a as a
0: personal trainer as a coach like what do you what would you say like is your is your strength like what do you feel like you're best at adding value to clients in or in what area
1: um I mean, I guess you can go a lot of ways with that. Um, okay. I think one of my strengths is that I'm I'm pretty good at connecting mm-hmm. with a wide age group. I and mean, most of what we do is uh, working with junior tennis players. Mm-hmm. But we also have adults. And I, have a, I think I'm pretty good at being able to connect with people who are, you know, 30s, 40s, 50s, and then being able to connect with anyone from high school down to like a 12-year-old. Um, so being able to make an enjoyable experience that people can still get something out of for an hour time, I think I'm pretty good at doing that. Um, that's kind of why my goal now is to be able to like, make, right, make an enjoyable hour, we can have conversation, we can have a connection, but let's also be proficient with our time. So that's kind of why my focus is what it is.
0: Mm -hmm. so do you find that you know motivating kids that you know don't want to do the things that you're giving them to do is is kind of an issue
1: yeah that's that's an issue I mean especially in the group classes where they're not necessarily signed up to do a training session they're just kind of doing a class as a part of their tennis class Mm -hmm. their motivation tends to be the worst out of the lowest motivators that I've seen. Um sure. and it's it's hard to combat. I'm, I'm still trying to figure out ways to to combat that because you know sometimes the kid doesn't want to be there. It's like, how do you motivate someone who doesn't care? Mm-hmm. I've always said as a coach, the last thing I want to have to instill is motivation mm-hmm. because it's the absolute hardest thing I think for a coach to try to do. Yeah. Um, but it's, it's something that I run into on a weekly basis.
0: So have you found anything to be effective? I mean, obviously there's going to be a range of effectiveness with different individuals, but, and not everything's going to be a one size fits all motivator for everybody either,
1: but. Yeah. I mean, you you can try the the approach of you. Like, you know, do you want to get better? Do you want to get, you know, college offers do you want to play varsity high school you know whatever that doesn't tend to work I mean you have some kids it might work with most kids that are like oh yeah yeah, I want that and then like, let's try no it's like
0: oh, it's
1: like <laughs> so like you know with some kids like you tried like the authority was like hey here you might as well do this you know some kids like oh yeah okay and then most kids will just shut down and they just, they just won't even respect you anymore um I just had a conversation with one of the parents from one of the kids recently and she's like yeah like my daughter doesn't respond well to that kind of you know coaching or technique you could say mm-hmm. like you have to like try to get them to respect you by saying like you know you can do better than this You're, you, you your standards are higher than that and having that kind of belief in them and for this least, least student in particular tends to make them garnish more respect towards you and therefore they'll tend to work a little bit harder okay
0: yeah have you ever went have you read how to win friends and influence people
1: how to move have, how, how to win
0: friends that. and influence people by dale carnegie
1: oh i haven't read that either
0: okay yeah there's there's a principle in there that he talks about um regarding you know motivating people And that's, you know, giving people a reputation, uh, like giving them a good reputation to live up to. So that's just what that mom said reminded me of that, where you're talking to them as though you're assuming they have higher standards for themselves. Um, So you just assume that they are better than maybe they're acting at the moment. So that's, that's interesting that she's our, Mm -hmm. that she's utilizing that with her daughter (laughs) or, or son, maybe you didn't say. Okay. Daughter. Um, but yeah, that's, that's, that's pretty, pretty interesting. Yeah. That might be an, in, I hadn't thought about that book um, for a coach or a personal trainer. You know, and usually people think about it in terms of business, but um, you know, like an like employer situation, employer, employee kind of situation. Um, but for a trainer, a client, you know, coach and, and, and a team, you know, there's probably some, some principles in there that work pretty well for that also. So that's pretty interesting. So what um, the, the the kids that are motivated, um, where what is it that you like to be able to do with them?
1: Um, the kids that are motivated, I like to like in terms of like the exercises I do with them or like the techniques that I use with them.
0: so like once once sorry, once motivation isn't a huge issue, um, what where is it that you kind of then focus on next? So, like okay, i don't I, I don't have to worry about motivating them. Now I'm free to focus on, you know,
1: what? Oh, then at that point, I can just focus on making them stronger. Now, I don't have to worry about, you know, giving them hard exercises that they might say, ah, oh, I don't want to do this. It's like, well, you're motivated. You're going to do it. <laughs> or at least they have enough respect for me that they're going to do it. Mm-hmm. And, you know, sometimes they actually enjoy it more than they think. But, you know, there's certain exercises like, Boxer squats that aren't fun, but they're really beneficial at doing a lot of things. So I I have a motivated kid. I can you know don't have to really worry about taking too much time on technique because they're motivated. the More efficient they are doing stuff. Quicker they get the technique. The more I can progress them to doing you know more complex exercises.
0: Okay, so would would you say that you are primarily a strength coach?
1: Yeah, I. Especially with these kids, like strength and conditioning is kind of the moniker we're trying to move towards as an organization, CPAC. Uh-huh. Um, we used to use the word performance center, but like that could also have complications with, you know, performance arts centers. Oh, sure. Um, and the term fitness is such a broad word. It's like, it's like, okay, what does that mean? What are you trying to get? Strength and uh-huh. conditioning, okay, there's there's purpose. The, there's a plan. There's a program. We're moving in a specific direction versus you know, I play tennis, therefore I'm getting my fitness. Like, no.
0: <laughs>
1: the strength and conditioning is, all right, I'm creating programs. I am putting them through programs with a specific goal I have in mind for them.
0: Okay. So, so it's really focused on building the muscular skeletal system to be able to be more efficient and proficient in whatever kind of sport you want to apply it to.
1: Exactly. Like we're building muscle, we're, we're we're training energy systems, we're we're conditioning you to be better in your atmosphere, gotcha. not just burning calories. So I can check something off my my app at the end of the day.
0: <laughs>
1: Do you run into that a lot? Not necessarily that part as much. It not as much as the app side, but more so the again, like as I mentioned earlier. Oh, I played tennis today. Therefore, I'm getting I got my fitness in for the day. It's like, no, (laughs) understanding of the overload principle is non-existent.
0: So what do you mean by overload principle?
1: You take a several ounce racket and swing it a thousand times is not going to give you the same results as putting your body under higher duress in terms of higher weight. So, yes, you're sweating and you're moving, you're burning calories and your heart rate's going to go up, but you're not overloading those muscles at all. That's like cross-country runners are conditioned athletes, but they're not overloading their muscles. They are just high repetition, breaking down their muscles and giving themselves a phenomenal cardiovascular system. But in terms of strength, I wouldn't trust them under a whole lot of weight under a bar.
0: Oh sure, <laughs> but I mean, is so so probably most cross country runners then would probably go like, well, I'm not I'm not a power lifter, like that's not what I need my body to do for my discipline.
1: Totally, and their their strength conditioning program would look very different. They would be doing a lot more uh, splits that look like low weight, high reps to help train their body into the muscular endurance side of it. Versus, you know, your power lifter is probably not going to touch anything over 12 reps, if even that high. <laughs> yeah. like they're going to go hypertrophy, strength and power, muscular endurance. Hypertrophy is basically their version of of uh, muscular endurance. <laughs> I had a power lifter once said, like, oh, I think I'm getting my cardio and I'm doing, you know, and my heart rate's pretty high of doing, you know, three by 10 squats. I'm like, yeah, your heart rate's going to go up pretty high. But the amount of time it takes you to do that isn't going to get you anywhere near your oxidative energy system and with your rest being as long as it is your heart rate's going to drop back down again that it's never going to ever reach the minimum mark for muscular endurance so really you don't do cardio you just do what you think is cardio <laughs> <laughs> so just to in your mind, case you're wondering you're, the, the oxidative energy system you have to be doing something for like three minutes minimum they'll rest three minutes minimum on those kinds of sets sometimes. So they're just never keeping their heart rate elevated long enough to touch that they're staying in their phosphagen, which is like nine, 10 seconds at the top and maybe even seven seconds. And then you run into glycolysis, which is where your HIIT workouts tend to thrive in.
0: Mm-hmm. Gotcha. So what is some, what is maybe a, an undervalued aspect of fitness that, athletes need to pay more attention to
1: um i would say this one's probably more so for coaches but athletes tend to do what their coaches tell them sure but you know training within their energy systems like for example like the classic uh you know remember the titans coach boom is talking about you know you do this you run a mile you do this you're a mile you fumble the football you run a mile
0: <laughs> running it's a mile like for the players, energy players
1: football <laughs> yeah like running a mile for football players arguably a waste of time because yeah. there's not a single play that lasts anywhere near as long as it would take to run a mile like even your classic lateral place that, you know, maybe go to a minute on the high end, which is, you know, once in a blue moon yeah. is still nowhere near as long as it takes to run a good, let's say five minute mile. Yeah. football player ran a five minute mile, I would say, A, that's really impressive. B, how much time did you waste getting to that point? <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah. So they're, they're primarily, so, the, you say the phosphorus cycle or? Phosphogen. Phosphogen
1: uh, energy system.
0: Energy system. Okay. Which that's, that's there's, your- a, there's
1: an article by an organization called Strong First. Yeah, oh, I'll, yeah. I'll put it this way. So, Strong First is a great company or a great organization. Um, they write a lot of articles, and one of them they use to describe kind of your energy system in terms of money. So, if you imagine your phosphogen energy system as your, your cash in your pocket, it's super quick. Super accessible, but it runs out really, really quickly. Because you can only fit so much cash, and in then you run mind. into your glycolysis energy system. Yeah, you only have so much cash in your pocket. Like most people don't walk around with a grand in their pocket in terms of cash. Like it's just right. You usually see someone between maybe like fifty and hundred bucks, maybe a couple hundred bucks, whatever. Sure. Point is, it runs out really quickly, but it's super liquid. It's super quick. You can use it anywhere near. Glycolysis is like your credit card system. It's pretty quick. It's not super sustainable because you run into a lot of debt. And then your oxidative, which is like your money tree. It's not very fast, but it's very long-lasting. So football thrives in the phosphagen and glycolysis stage between yeah. you, how long they work, the rest they get it's pretty much exclusively those two energy systems
0: which is so why as only a player play or a
1: coach like what'd you say
0: which is why you only play once a week
1: oh i mean oh you also play once a week just because you get so dang beat up like you just you're taking so many <laughs> shots like,
0: yeah that too. i remember reggie
1: bush once came on after he was on a Fox show after he retired, and he's like, "Man, people don't understand how hard some of those hits are. Like, they don't look at bad on TV, but like there are days like I would have, to get, my wife would have to help me out of bed the day after a game, just because <laughs> I took so many hits. So it's <laughs> like it's just a brutally physical contact sport where you are literally getting in contact with somebody at a high velocity every play, yeah. except for hopefully your quarterback. <laughs> hopefully he's not taking too many shots.
0: Yeah." And it's really only the But uh, back to know. the
1: point that I would back I was, to the point about was, like you <laughs> know how to train.
0: <laughs> what did you say? I think there's a delay. <laughs> like I'm I'm oh, starting yeah, to something, you're starting to say something and we're not quite but anyway, I was just saying some that, that it's probably just the adrenaline and the testosterone is what keeps them playing, you know, over the duration of the game oh, yeah. without, <laughs> without too much well, uh, I mean
1: it totally. I'm on uh, week six of what's suspected a partially what's called a slap tear in my labrum, room. But mm-hmm. the day that it happened, I was able to finish out my tournament without really any problems. It wasn't until, you yeah. know, the six hour car drive home afterwards when I didn't move my arm for that entire time. I was like, oh, gosh,
0: that doesn't <laughs> feel good at all. Yeah.
1: But, you know, during the tournament, I was able to you know, still throw throws that I don't even dare try throw right now.
0: <laughs> yeah but i'm sorry you were saying
1: yeah so like in terms of like you know the quote-unquote you know, repercussions for coaches when their kids don't do what they want like i see this at the club all the time where you know all right kids need to move their feet for tennis it's very important that they get flat-footed all right 10 push-ups like why are you making these kids do push-ups these kids lack the core strength to even do a push-up not to mention you're training the same Muscles that they are using all the time,
0: and make them do pull-ups so,
1: instead. Or prone T-raises, or something like. Don't don't make these kids do push-ups all the time, because it's just not an efficient use. Like it's just a waste of time. Like first off, the reps are like quarter reps, maybe half at best.
0: Because like, <laughs> they're push-up form.
1: Is a, terrible. It's 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 atrocious. It, it it's it's horrible <laughs> if you were to ask a kid i you know a good measurement sometimes is like i right, put a, your fist or something equivalent to your fist on the floor all right chest has to touch that fist if they were to go that low they wouldn't get back up <laughs> there, there was a kid at cpac he trained with one of our trainers and after the first days dad was like why can't my son do 100 push-ups yet Okay, your kid can't even do one on the first day. He ain't gonna do 100. right? that's not happening. Oh he's like, well, when's he gonna be, be able to do 100 push ups? <laughs> it's, like, it's like, and it's my colleague replied to him, he's like, well, with his work ethic, probably never. <laughs> it's just oh, like, man. But it's also like, why do you have this value of 100 push ups for your kid? Like, I don't yeah. like.
0: It's like, like what is, what is really gonna do for him or you if
1: he can do hundred push-ups. It's like, how does that make him a better tennis player? Like, yes, he needs some chest strength to bounce up, but like hundred push-ups consecutively is really good. Like it's, let's just it's get, not this kid easy to to get do to. one. It's <laughs> not like I finally reached it just like a year or two ago, and that was hard.
0: Yeah. I mean, like, there's, there's like, technique to it. Like, you can't go too fast. You can't go too slow.
1: Like You got to work on your breathing. You got to maintain yeah. core tension. And you just have to train the muscular endurance aspect of it mm-hmm. that, you know, most people aren't going to do. Yeah, I mean, it just takes a lot of time. But let me say, when you're in quarantine and you don't have a gym accessible, you find new ways to do exercises. <laughs> and there you go. <laughs> so, for me, it was a lot of push-ups. Ability and deck pull-ups what was that
0: innovation is born out of adversity (laughs) that's right (laughs) so in somebody like my situation where i'm doing obstacle course races and i'm using a bunch of those different energy systems you were talking about where you know if there's a really really grip intensive um obstacle you know, I'm trying to get through that sucker in eight to 10 seconds so that I don't, I'm not going through that phosphagen cycle too far. And so I've, the cash will be able to build up before I get to the next one. I like what's, what's an ef- effective way to train the, cause I'm definitely an oxidative most of the time. Um, especially oh, yeah. you're an
1: oxidative pretty much all the time. Cause you're running the entire time. So your heart right. rate is constantly up.
0: Right but then I'm, but then I'm going to be doing things that are going to like, if I don't get through an obstacle in eight to 10 seconds, you know, I'm going to be burning out or pumping out, you know, my forearms and my biceps because of, you know, the energy system requirements of a grip intensive obstacle. Mm -hmm. So, so, so just the, the, the training uh, to be able to move in between those energy systems? Like, is there any kind of, um, are there certain things that that will help with that to be able to train multiple energy systems efficiently?
1: I mean, yeah, one of the things that you, you're in that kind of situation, what you have to learn to do is that you have to learn how to produce power out of a fatigue state. Mm. Um, so, you know, I went through a program last year where there was a lot of that, where I would go from, you know, doing all kinds of just crazy barbell complex. And out of that, I would have to grab a plate and start doing lateral uh, skater hops, which to your, if you don't know what that is, you're holding like a 45 or 25 pound plate in your hands and you jump off your right foot to your left foot as far as you can and land on the opposite foot. And so, you just did all these exercises with a barbell where you're doing, you know, cleans or presses and you're doing all this stuff that's going to elevate your heart rate and produce a lot of fatigue. And now you're going in power movements, such as a lateral bound or a skater hop, mm-hmm. and you're training your body to be able to produce power out of that fatigue state. And mm-hmm. it's not pleasant, but that's the kind of stuff that you got to learn how to do. Mm-hmm. So, you want to simulate what you would have to do in an obstacle race you have to simulate a lot of things because what you're going to want to do is elevate your heart rate and then you go through exercises that are going to be similar to what you're going to want to be doing on an obstacle course so you may not necessarily have the time to run 20 minutes and then do something you can do something else that's gonna you know elevate that heart rate much faster like a kettlebell swing or you know, some squats, you know, something that's going to get that heart rate elevated to a pretty high number. And then like, all right, before you rest, you got to go straight into this power movement and start producing power.
0: Okay. Gotcha.
1: So So for you, like that can be like, you know, do a circuit of kettlebell swings, get that heart rate elevated and then go to your magical little, uh, gizmos that dangle from your ceiling downstairs and start crawling up there. (laughs) for <laughs> you know, like 8 to 10 seconds.
0: So try to do something to get the heart rate up before I would jump onto those ninja holds.
1: Yeah. Or if you want to get really specific, you can you want to use the same muscles that you're going to produce power with. Cuz what you're going to want to do is you want to learn how to really produce power out of a lactic acid state. So you produce a lot of lactic mm-hmm. acid in your muscles by using them. And now I ask that those same muscle groups to produce power. So like, you know, maybe a nice way to start out would be to like, all right, let's do, you know, kettlebell swings. All right, now let's go do your little grip test. The kettlebell swing is predominantly a posterior chain, glute, hamstrings movement. So you will have to guess it's not your forearms. Kettlebell too. You do have to hold on to it, but you're not really going to fatigue your forearms as much. But the kettlebell, if you do a swing right, should feel light as a feather in your hands because you're maintaining tension in your upper back and in your core and your legs. And so really that kettlebell should feel incredibly light in your arms. So okay. if you went to go to do your monkey bars, I'll come because I don't really know what to freeze, what the heck those are that you have downstairs, <laughs> um, which are so grip dominant heavy, so those are, that's predominantly your forearm
0: that's mm-hmm.
1: going to fry you're really producing the lactic acid in your forearms. So what you could do, and I found this exercise recently, this thing kills the forearms. Is mm-hmm. if you have like a PVC pipe or something and a band, and strap that band to a kettlebell, hold that straight out and then twist the kettlebell all the oh, way yeah. up to the top, and then slowly release it down. Your forearms will be on fire. You're, roll, you're rolling it up, right? And then rolling it back down? Just one rotation of that yeah your balance stretches the band out it takes way longer than you think it should it's like oh this band is you know you know three four feet long all right i want to roll three feet up well then the band stretches to like an extra foot so now you have to really stroke more than you thought it's like oh man it's like this kettlebell I feel like it hasn't gone up any higher in the last like three rotations of this PVC pipe. What the heck? <laughs>
0: <laughs> so you use a stretchy band instead of a
1: rope on purpose? Well, I use bands because that's what I have. Okay. But you, know, you could do it with a rope.
0: Okay. So are you saying like but the band?
1: You- I think I like the band also a little bit more because it has that balance to it it takes a little bit more control the rope's a more stable surface it's not going to mm-hmm. wiggle and change as much so your forearms don't necessarily have to do as much yeah because the idea is you're doing this at a 90 degree angle with your forearms which i tell you what just again one set of that and you're like i don't want to do this again
0: But what do you mean by a 90 degree angle
1: so you hold your arms straight out so your armpit's a 90 degree angle
0: oh okay okay and that, like my forearms at 90 degrees like are you like bending your your biceps? No,
1: like... no, 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 <laughs> no, 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 no. Yeah, hold that sucker straight out and you know, try to maintain that parallel level because you're going to want to sit down so closer to 78 or 80 degrees. Okay. Because it's just way more comfortable than 90.
0: So you roll it up and then you roll it back down.
1: Yeah, well, the trick is when you roll it down is that because it's, it's going to want to fly out because gravity is now with you. Right, you have to control and not just let it just unwind.
0: For sure. So, last last question. Let's go. <laughs> what what is one of the most important habits that you try to do every day or on a regular basis because of it gives you the most bang for your buck in any area of life?
1: Yeah. So, I mean, you've already mentioned this earlier, but for me, like, I write all my programs down and I got a notebook and in that notebook I write down or try to write down everything that I want to keep on record so like I'm probably weird like this but what I'll do is I'll probably do this pretty soon is that I set my notebook up for the entire year at the beginning of the year, as much as I can, okay. so I try to write out a space for every day that I'm going to potentially work out. I write a space for every Sunday for for sermons. I write a space out for every day for devotions. I write down space for every month for income and expenses, um, and then I you know leave lots of stuff blank for just thoughts, prayers, processes, things of that nature. So I always have a space to put something down because people always say, write it down. You're like the probability of your goal coming true after writing it down goes up exponentially. Yeah. But, you know, you're writing it down on a piece of paper and throwing it away. Isn't really what that refers to, (laughs) but having a notebook, I can always refer to and it's like, okay, when was the last time I worked out? Oh, snap. I thought it was just a couple of days. It's actually been like, you know, four days. (laughs) or when's the last time i did a devotion it's like oh shoot it's been more days than i thought because you know when you don't write things down Mm -hmm. it shows itself when because when you do write it down it also shows itself and that ambiguity that we tend to have of oh it hasn't been that long no i know i know exactly how long it's been yeah so that's something i've been doing september 2019 so this year i like half a year I had a notebook for just one year and I'm gonna probably do it again next year because I really enjoy it because there's lots of
0: oh no look like we lost you completely now you're muted
1: <laughs> I disappeared
0: he went away but now you're back I can't hear you anymore oh no you can't hear me how about now anyway <laughs> hey I can hear you again oh you can hear me now all right Anyway, and- so you were saying that you were you've been you started in
1: September 2019? Yeah, I started in September 2019. Um and like I'm the I's always been the kind of guy I'm like what if I run out of room in my notebook? What am I gonna do then? Like <laughs> what if I just create a space for everything that I could potentially need? Well that's time consuming, but okay, I'll do it. So I did most of that when I was flying out to see uh Toby, our sister. Over okay. January, which is also right at the beginning of the year, so I'm like, oh, I have two, three, four flights to play with, where I can just, you know, start writing stuff down and creating my space and using the calendar on my phone to find out, you know, how many days I'm going to need for this and whatnot.
0: And so
1: if you were to open it up, you'd see lots of blank spaces from November through December.
0: Okay. <laughs>
1: and probably a few too many blank spaces from January to November as well.
0: From January to November,
1: <laughs> you know, days that I didn't do what I would want to do, so it's blank.
0: Okay, gotcha. But yeah, I I I know what you mean with that ambiguity. It it does seem like in our own minds we tend to bend that ambiguity to in our favor and make it oh, yeah. look to ourselves like it either it's not as bad as as things actually are or look like they're better than they actually are. Um, having that objective feedback is is really valuable because. We have a tendency to deceive ourselves.
1: <laughs> uh-huh. I believe uh, a great tool that Dad would talked about in some of his psychology classes is the Johari Window. Do you remember that? What that is? No. It's a two by two grid, and it's simply what you know, what others know, and then uh, what you know and what others don't, know, or what you don't know and what others don't know. Okay. So you glide them up. So there's things that you know and what others both know about you. So you know. So these, so, basic so
0: stuff. these are all things that are known or, or are true about you.
1: Yes, it's all about this. So in this case, it is all about what you.
0: I know about me, what others know about me, what I yeah. don't know about me, and what others don't know about me.
1: Yeah. So the, that's that blank space about yourself that really the the unknown. And then there's the the one. This is where it kind of really comes more into play is what you don't know, but what others do know about you. Mm -hmm. Uh, that's where we might have the ambiguity Like, I'm not that arrogant oh it's not that bad oh I'm not that obnoxious you know and they're like yeah you are you You maybe don't know know
0: but other people do
1: (laughs) you're the only one who doesn't know just how annoying you really are (laughs) yeah
0: yeah that's that's why I say don't be that guy (laughs) That guy that, that doesn't
1: know and everybody else does know yeah there's Multiple times at work where I've wanted to and sometimes I've actually said it to kids, it's like, why are you the way you are? <laughs> it's just just like, why must you be so this? <laughs> There's a quote from one of my old associate head coaches in college. And it's my favorite one of my favorite quotes ever, and it says, Can you do something else somewhere else? like sometimes what I want to say to these kids like can you just do something else away from me I just can't deal with this anymore sometimes that's that's the thought with our
0: kids at times oh I
1: (laughs) I I tell the Sometimes
0: I say something along those lines to them at times like like, usually I don't say something else but can you go do that somewhere else
1: (laughs) I I tell the Tell, talk about you every now and then at work, and, and I'm like, "Yeah, he's he's got five kids." And they're like, "What?" <laughs> so, I was like, "Yeah, man, and he's younger than you." <laughs>
0: <laughs> we were in Walmart today, and we were kind of walking across the path of some lady pushing her cart. She was wearing a mask, so I couldn't see most of her face, but I saw her eyes. You see her eyes though. they got got big when she realized oh like those are all with the same parents (laughs) it was it was priceless i I
1: just have this picture of you like turning the corner and there's you know caleb turns the corner with you and gabe turns the corner and chloe comes it's like how many kids are coming around this corner yeah
0: (laughs) yeah it's fun though well uh, last word last word is there anything you would like to share with anyone who is interested in just getting better from a fitness standpoint or is really trying to get better? Anything you want to leave people with?
1: Uh, first thing is, like, earlier I was totally blanked on, like, an exercise in the transverse plane. I was like, gosh, dang it, I can't remember a single one. <laughs> so transverse plane is simply, like, any rotational exercise, like a med ball hip toss, something okay. like that. Okay, That's so it's going plane. like
0: this or like this. We're going like this.
1: Yeah, you're going like that. Okay. So like, that's one plan that I actually do use quite a bit with these kids because tennis is such a rotation oh, yeah. sport. Yeah. They throwing, will, golf. Yeah. Like and like learning to create the power in the correct way. So like do they use their arm or are they using their core and their legs? Yeah. So teaching the kids like, all right, we have to, you know, use your legs to your core, to your arms, versus you just whip your elbow, and that's why you have a tennis elbow. So. <laughs> yeah. But that's the first thing, um, and then the last thing I would say is like this, like probably three or four things. Like if anyone is trying to create their new year's resolutions in November, because <laughs> why wait to an arbitrary day and time of the year to start changing your life? Yeah. <laughs> you know? Um, like as we mentioned, like writing things down, I'd say is like one of the biggest things to 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 have is like all right, you know how many times you worked out in the month of November, you know. What you did in the month of November, so when you come back the next week, you know how to progress. It's like, "Oh man, that felt really good today. Oh, snap, I left it more last week. Okay, maybe I should have done more." Or you know, whatever the case may, be having that information and taking it with you to when you work out. Mm-hmm. Very, very important. So that's the first thing. Second thing is having a time when you're going to train the day before. Because people always say, I don't have time. I don't have time. I was like, mm, You do. You just, <laughs> no one has time because it's going to get filled and spent whether you want to or not yeah. in some potentially meaningless, maybe meaningful way. I mean, I remember multiple times I would clean my room thoroughly instead of doing my homework because I didn't want to do it. I spent my time productively, just not in the way I should have so picking a time to do it the day before so the day before I work out I always know like almost to the hour or like after this session or before this session I have to train because I don't have time after that if I don't if I get to three o'clock or four o'clock in the afternoon I ain't going to work out after that it's not going to happen so if I don't get my workout in before then I'm done because I know full well when I get done work at nine o'clock at night I'm not going to want to train after working four or five hours in a row of clients. Like I just, I want to go home and I will go home. Even if I say I'm going to work out, I'm not going to. So finding that time before is huge. And then I would say the last thing is, especially for people who are newer, but even if your experience is having somebody that you talk to about training or work out with that way, they can be like, yo, how, how is your workouts going? I haven't worked out in two weeks dang, that sounded way better in my head until I told you in person. <laughs>
0: so,
1: There's a story about a guy who wanted to drink water more often. And I wish I was talking about myself, but I'm not. And he would get phone calls from his accountability person. And before he'd answer that phone, he would chug water So when he asked him if he drank the water that day, he could say yes, (laughs) because he didn't want to have to tell him, I haven't drinking as much as I'm supposed to today. So he would literally, while that phone's ringing, you know, down, you know, 20 ounces of water. And so and he could honestly say, yeah, I drank the water that I needed to today. But (laughs) if he didn't have that person calling him, he was never going to drink that 20 ounces of water.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: So I would say those are like the three biggest things that you should have going into Uh, program, and then I'd say the last thing is just have a program ready before, because if you just go into the gym like, what am I gonna do today? I picked my time. All right, let's go do some curls, and let's let's go on the treadmill for 20 minutes. Okay, that that's that's, I worked up a good sweat. I'm gonna go home now. Like (laughs) even if it's not a great program, like if you can build the habit of doing all those other things, but you at least are starting something, then you can you know get better and get more research and then you can laugh at yourself a year later like oh man what was i doing for the first <laughs> two months of my program i was doing that yeah, what an <laughs> idiot. and that's fine i mean the body is just waiting to to gain adaptations but it won't happen if you don't start yeah. so uh, there's plenty of free programs that you can look up on like stack or whatever It's like, oh just literally all you have to do is Google programs for whatever goal you have. And you can find at least some kind of basic free program that's going to at least get you started. Yeah. And then maybe you can get smarter and better and talk to smarter people along the way. But like, don't let your uneducated self be the reason that you don't start. Oh, I don't know how to do this. So I'm not going to start. Mm-hmm. If I had a dollar every time I had a kid say that I would be able to retire right now. <laughs> Oh, I I'm not very good at this. Yeah, that's why we're doing it. That's, that's the <laughs> point. If you were good at it, we wouldn't be doing it. <laughs> a little bit of an overstatement, but with these kids, it's pretty accurate. Yeah. It's like, why do we have to work our do these prone T's? These are so hard. I'm like, yeah, yeah, they are. <laughs> because you're weak there. <laughs> well, why do we have to work our backhand? Because you have none. You don't have a backhand. You only ever do forehands. <laughs> if it's hard it's probably a good reason to do it take that with a grain of salt there's some hard stupid exercises out there that are just for flashy show but
0: yeah. the principle
1: of like if this simple basic movement pattern is hard it's probably because it's incredibly underdeveloped and you know you should be doing it
0: yeah <laughs> so just to sum that all up is you know write it down have a plan where you're going to know when you're going to do it and you're going to have it program of what you're going to do and accountability and just start just start just start
1: Good stuff. You know, just start <laughs> I, toby had a quote uh, who's my sister and she said i don't know if it's her she i got it from her but she definitely got it from somewhere else you yeah. know a year from now you're going to wish you started today
0: yeah definitely <laughs> for sure well, thanks, Brett. Where can people follow you at?
1: Uh, they can follow me um, on my Instagram account, son of psychology, all one word.
0: Don't forget the P. <laughs> okay,
1: don't forget the P. You yeah. know, if it, sometimes it gets abbreviated if you do follow me and someone says, hey, it, sends, it says son of psycho. I'm like, oh, great. <laughs> Not quite what I was going for, <laughs> but I, I, I still like the the slogan son of psychology um i don't post a whole lot on there but um you can also find stuff we're hopefully going to have a more active social media college park um we'll have our we're going to hopefully start a new instagram page where we're going to be putting a lot of viable content so it won't just be me but my colleagues who are also very very good at what they do nice. and uh that will hopefully be a very useful resource for people in terms of looking to constantly grow in the field of strength and conditioning.
0: Very cool. Yeah. That, that sounds like a pretty valuable resource for people to check out. Is that just going to be at CPAC or at College Park or College Park, College Park Athletic Club?
1: There's currently, our current one right now is uh, like CPAC performance center. But like I told you before, we're trying to move from that moniker performance center performance. because of it's got too many ties to too many other things it's too broad so it's probably going to be something like cpec strength and conditioning or something along those lines but um hopefully that page will be up soon
0: okay all right well let me know when it is and i'll i'll post it somewhere or talk about it or make a post or two about it so people can check it out totally all right well thanks for coming on brett sorry we had some connection issues but some really good stuff and it sounded like you were taking the words out of my mouth at times but that's uh that's just because these principles are are universal they're out there for anybody to pick up and use them so thanks brett thanks for, for coming on and uh we'll see you at thanksgiving
1: oh totally <laughs> all right thanks. being here.
0: bye bye hey thank you so much for listening i really appreciate it if i was able to serve you in any way please like subscribe and share this podcast with a procrastinator or an overthinker who you might know.